forgive me yesterday. I was practicing with Gary Malone, and I asked Gary to forgive me. I was caught up in my spider web. And when you're caught up in your spider web, you uh, don't reflect God very well. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that's a poor example for a preacher to be caught up in the, his spider web. Have you ever got caught up in a spider web? It's scary when the big black thing is coming after you. And yet God delivers us in, in His graciousness. We walk... We walk, we walk not after the counsel of the ungodly. There you go. Anybody else got a comment on this idea of walking? And then last week we, uh, we talked about, in verse 13, For brethren, we have been called to liberty. Remember, there was that legalism. And then there could be the problem with liberty. And it becomes a license. So you have to be careful that you don't take your liberty to become a license to do whatever you want. And he says in here... Uh, don't use it for the occasion to the flesh, but to love and to serve one another. We are free to not be under the bondage of the law, to worry how many sprinkles we've got to put on the altar or dipping our toe in blood or things like that. We are free to look out and how we can be a blessing to other people. And then he says, And all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we are under the law of love rather than the law of man. Um, the law of man, people will begin and can act like they're a jungle animal and bite and devour one another. And that's what he describes here in verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, the law of the jungle, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. That's a bad way to live. And you know, when you get mad at people... That's a work of the flesh, isn't it? You know, we really need to be honest with ourselves. We need to stop. I mean, I hear little comments here and, and, and everything, and, and, uh, and I've made comments. And you have to ask yourself, how godly is that comment? How godly is that attitude? How godly is that reaction? We've got to stop. We are going to stand before God someday. And that action that we do, as I had to apologize to Gary Malone yesterday, that's a poor testimony, you see. Uh, um, um, Thelma, you were talking about a poor testimony at the bank. How many have ever had a poor testimony out there? You bunch of sinners. If you didn't raise your hand, if you don't realize it, Thelma says, you know what? Praise God that God convicted me of it, Right? We get so used to having bad attitudes. You know, some people have shared bad attitudes here in church. And I don't know why. Except that we are fleshly, carnal. We've got to be careful. We've got to sort this out. And we will be able to sort this out if we walk in the Spirit and be Spirit-led. Spirit-led in our conversation or in our communication, in the joy of the Lord and those types of things. So... We're looking at this, these verses here, and I'm going to read verse 16 through 25 in uh, my devotional Bible. But remember, Charles Stanley said to walk by the Spirit is to live with moment-by-moment moment dependency on the sensitivity to the, to the initial prompting of the Holy Spirit. So just remember that as he said that. 
So uh, how does it happen? Let me read you this in uh, my devotional Bible. And uh, I, I like some of the wording on here. And some of the words that are used, uh, we've kind of, it's hard to understand them in the King James because some of those words are, are, have more modern meaning to them than the old English uh, meaning. So I'll, I'll try to address some of those. You can follow along whatever Bible you're reading. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And the King James says, walk in the Spirit. And the idea there is to be Spirit-led. And we talked about this last week, that this word, uh, walking in the Spirit, that first word, walking, is to make progress. Make progress. To make due use of opportunities. Uh, to regulate one's life. To conduct oneself. To pass one's life. Uh, we, we walk by the Spirit. So understand that that word, walk, um, has the idea of a journey. All right? Then he goes on. He says, if you do this, if you let the Holy Spirit guide your life, He's walking with us. He's not... He's not telling you, all right, I want you to turn here and go there. He's walking with us. He's the paraclete. Now, if that to happen, that would mean that you want to be close to him. Would you not agree? We gave Mary a microphone so you could hear her. All right. Those people sitting around her might be able to hear her. But those people that are far distance wouldn't be able to hear her. If we're not walking close to the spirit, how are we going to hear his voice? How are we going to know? Is it just all of a sudden, I need you now, God? And yet, it seems like he's a distance away. I don't know about you, but moment by moment, I need that dependence on him. And then he says, then you won't. And by the way, the word won't there is a double negative. A double negative, and it's in the aorist tense. You will not accomplish your sin, what your sinful nature craves. I like that. Now, there's a difference between the old man and your sinful nature. Your old man was crucified. Your sinful nature is hanging around. It is called the flesh. All right? So you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We all understand that the flesh has its cravings, right? I mean, every one of us understand that. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. It says they're contrary. It means they're at odds. They're at war. We've talked about that in the doctrine of sanctification. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul said that, didn't he? That's Romans chapter 7. But when you are directed, led, and the idea there of being uh, led is that guide, that personal moral compass, you see, that's why you're not under the law. You have a moral compass inside of you. I don't know about you, but when you're in this world, have you ever sensed 
that people have no compass in their life? I, I was uh, swimming today and I was overhearing some conversations and uh, these uh, ladies were talking about the discipline of their children. And as they were talking about the discipline of their children, I says, this is fickle. You know, they talk about lying. Well, how do they know that lying is wrong? Does anybody know how we know that lying is wrong? The Bible says so. So they, they get some direction here because there's some semblance of, well, we don't want to lie. But what is lying to them? And then uh, the way they are describing lying and, and how they soft peddled it with their child was, well, maybe the child says, well, maybe I, I was just dreaming it. And the parent excused it. And what this child has said, because the child thought that he had dreamed it, therefore it was true. And the parent says, okay, child, that's okay. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that doesn't sound right. How do people without God raise children today? They have no moral compass. And so the Spirit leads us and guides us. He's our moral compass. He says, follow me. You're on the right path. Uh, path. It's present passive. Uh, you're being led by the Spirit. Pastor Nathan said last week that it's in the dative case, which means you're being led by the Spirit. Does that make sense? He's there. Praise God for that. Listen to Him. Do you hear His voice? Be sensitive to it. Uh, verse 18, for when you were directed by the Spirit, you were not under obligation of the law of Moses. There's a greater guide in your life. The law of Moses was given to primarily to the Israelites to help them to govern their nation. And the moral principles helps us understand who God is. And in fact, all the laws tell us and show us who God is. And you've got to understand that, that you discover the holiness and the justice of God and the love of God. You discover his attributes in the Old Testament. But you have a guide here. And by the way, does this guide use the scriptures? Yes or no? Yeah. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay. So I tell you what, that's a powerful uh, guide in your light. The Bible is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And, and I'll tell you, I, I've had decisions to make this last week. And I said, Lord, how do I know what's the right decision to make? And God's Spirit will bring up a verse in mind to help me to make that right decision. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. You know when you're walking in the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, division. The idea of division is the idea of heresies or a body of men following their own tenets. Can that happen in good churches? It can. We need to understand and sort out what is thus saith the Lord or thus saith Greg Kaminsky. 
You know, we'd like to say that they're always the same, but not always. You know, we have sometimes things of our past that we've brought into our our thoughts and we think this is thus saith the Lord. Well, maybe it's thus saith the Lord to you. That's a possibility. But sometimes we stretch the scriptures to say things that aren't there. We need to be careful of that. Verse 21 is envy and drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before that anyone who lives that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Pastor, I thought salvation was through Jesus Christ, not of works. This kind of sounds like that maybe my works uh, is, uh, is a part of my salvation. So how do you answer that in this passage? Margaret? Okay. All right. Good. When we talked about sin, even back there in Romans chapter 6, where it says, don't yield to the flesh. Do you remember me telling you what tense it was in? Aorist or present? Present tense. Present tense, which is the tense of conduct. It's the tense of ongoing character. And in here, it's this idea that this is your practice. This isn't like me getting caught in a spider web and having those moments. And like Margaret says, the Spirit speaks to our heart. You see, that is so important as a born-again believer. Like Thelma says, God spoke to my heart. Isn't that right, Thelma? You don't mind me sharing all your sins, do you? Wilma. Did you change your name since last Sunday? Wilma, I knew that, didn't I? Did I know that, Janie? I did know that. My wife tells me I knew that, so I must have known that. Wilma, that's right. See, when I used Thelma, then nobody knew who I was talking about. But now now we know who we're talking about here. (laughs) But that's the evidence of being born again. You can't just go out and sin and not the Spirit speak to you. And you're making progress. You see what I'm saying? That's what being led of the Spirit is. You're making progress. It's not that you didn't fall down because the Bible says a just man falls down, but he gets back up. And he's making progress. But he falls down and he gets back up. But here is a person that this is the characteristics of their lifestyle. And it's the idea these people have not been born again because the flesh is so dominating their life that this is the characteristics of their life. All right. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit (coughs) in your lives. Love, joy, peace. Uh, I put the word quietness by peace. There's a quietness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law for these things because it's the product 
of the Spirit. Don't all those things sound great? We all know the fruits of the Spirit. It's such a refreshment. Now, verse 24. For those, and, and catch this, because, you know, there are people who make a profession who don't get saved. And they, they don't understand what the Spirit is. And, and, and they don't sense the Spirit working in life. Those, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed. That's an interesting word. It's the word for a stake. They've staked, and it's in the aorist tense, which means that that is a position. You've staked the passions and desires of the sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And that's the idea of sanctification. What, you know, I've heard different takes on it, and we're going to spend more time on those aspects when we get to it. Um, someone has said, I mean, truly, because you have the Holy Spirit, you have all things that pertain to godliness, yes or no? So in a plant, there is the capability of it producing fruit. But what is the fruit that is produced? What if 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 you have a healthy plant? Uh, I'm giving away some of the answers here, but 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 what 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 does it mean to produce fruit? It's the bear. It, it, it's the reproduction of it. Yeah, that's true. It's the abundance, isn't it? I mean, if you've got plenty of water and fertilizer and it's been pruned, we have blueberries and we just prune them. And, and uh, what we think we understand about blueberries is that what I prune this year will produce the fruit next year. It's interesting. You know, it's not. Uh, they say that blueberries grows on a, the second year of growth. So that's why you prune it so that it will have a second year growth on there, and don't ask me how it all works, but as we water those blueberries and we, we fertilize those blueberries, it produces the abundance. And these abundances here are available to us. Now, someone has said the fruit of the Spirit is singular, which means that it is a package deal. That when the Spirit is in control of your life and you're being led by the Spirit and you're walking in the Spirit then this is a uh, packaged product. Okay? So it... it um, and we'll, we'll spend more time with that. Um, and, and it will be evident to you. And, and who else will it be evident to? To the other people out there. You'll find that three of these fruits are God-word, three of them are man-word, and three of them are inward. Okay? That's what Charles Stanley says anyways. <laughs> All right? <laughs> we'll look at them in greater detail. And those who belong to Jesus have nailed. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to, we need to put our flesh and nail it to the cross. Consider it dead. Consider it so. Not let it resurrect itself. And you've, you've put those passions and desires... Because you want to live for Christ. There's a desire there. 
And since, verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit. And I don't know, Pastor Nathan, if you got your uh, Greek translation out. But I believe that living is in the present tense. Or maybe it's, it should be, it could be in either tense. I'll be honest with you, because I probably it's in the aorist tense. Which means that this is the position of your life. You're in the Spirit and you're living in the Spirit. And that word living, there's a couple of different Greek words for living. You know, we get our word zoo from one of these words. And, and this, this word here, uh, living in the Spirit, <clears throat> is, is really is the idea of breath. You're among the living. <laughs> uh, and that's who you are as a born-again believer. Uh, <clears throat> it, it means to enjoy real life. That's an interesting idea. I talked with uh, Brother Sprague. We had him over for dinner tonight. And you know it's tough when your wife has had open heart surgery. And he came over tonight. And you know, whenever you open your home to somebody, you get more blessed than what, uh, oftentimes, than what you've given out. And he sat down and he shared his testimony with me. And I never heard his testimony before. And he said how, you know, it, and I hope he'll share his testimony sometime. He said when, uh, when he was growing up and, and, uh, and all he got married, his, his wife was Catholic. And so the priest says, you've got to become a Catholic to get married. How many know about that? All right. Okay. I think, do they still do that? Okay. All right. So he says, okay. So he became a Catholic, but never went again. All right. And that's how come there's so many Catholics in the world. And, uh. And then he said he really didn't care for the Catholic Church, so he didn't go to the Catholic Church. But uh, something happened, and he, um, uh, he uh, met his next wife, and she was Mormon. And he says, well, I'm Catholic, so you've got to join the Catholic Church to marry me. He never went to the Catholic Church. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and so she started, but she didn't like the Catholic Church either. And so she asked if it was all right if she went to the Nazarene Church in Springfield. And there in the Nazarene Church in Springfield, she got saved. And one day, at the age of 53 years of age, uh, Ken got saved. And he got real life. And you can imagine, Brother Bob, that someone at 53 years of age understands what real life is when they get saved. Amen to that? Even at the age of 15, I understand what real life is. And that's the word that's here. We folks have real life. Should we be ashamed of the life that we have? You know, other people don't have life. Do they need life? They do. We can get a burden for folks during this time. It's, it's the idea of to have true life uh, and worthy of a name. Uh, it's the word that's used for living water. Uh, ha- having vital power in itself 
and exerting the same upon the soul. It is metaphorically used as full of vigor to be fresh, to be strong, to be efficient, active, powerful, efficacious. Let me ask you, is that the evidence of your life? This is living by the Spirit. It's not necessarily just salvation. It's living by the Spirit. It's real. Amen. Folks, let's not stop being excited about it. This world needs to see our enthusiasm. Needs to see our thrill of knowing Jesus. They don't need to see a pastor caught in a spider web. Y'all catch me? It should be contagious what we have. Just like pneumonia. <laughs> Got it? Time's up. Since we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's Leading in every part of our lives. The word walk there is the different word than verse 16. The word here is the word of a, it's a military word. It's a marching word. I get my orders. I'm marching to the cadence of the Lord. That's exactly the word. Keep in step. Keep in step. Don't fall behind. Don't run ahead. Keep in step. Because you'll hear His voice. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. That's interesting how he ends that paragraph there, isn't it? Well, our time's gone. Any questions? Okay, next week we're going to see how does it happen. And what's, then we'll get into the fruits of the Spirit and what those things look at, like. I, I really love Charles Stanley, and there's others that have uh, descriptions of the fruit of the Spirit. And, um, you know, we've talked about being hateful, uh, depressive, stressed, impatient, rude, insensitive, backstabbing, rough, controlled by passions. What does that sound like? The flesh. Father, I pray that you'll help us in uh, the conduct of our lives, the communication of our lives, the light of our lives. And Lord, help us understand how important it is that this world needs to see those that have real life. Because the Spirit is inside of us. Oh, Father, to guide us in truth and to show us things to come. How valuable is that to all of us? And then, Lord, help us to understand how this develops in our lives. I, I would hope that tonight that just understanding this idea of being led, paying attention, listening, being in harmony, following, growing our lives. Thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen.